What's up, everyone? It is Richie here from the F1 Podcast. Hope you're having a great evening. We're recording this on July 20th, days before the Hungarian Grand Prix. I'm here with Andrew and special guest Tyler Hathrell. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Lots to talk about. So excited to chat about it. And Erica sends her regrets. Uh, she's at a sporting tournament this, uh, tonight. And, but yeah, we have a lot to talk about this weekend. Just want to apologize. We were supposed to record this last week, but we had some scheduling conflicts. So we wanted to move it to this week. And boy, a lot has happened since British Grand Prix. But before we kind of get into things, we have a quick announcement. We just hit 500 followers on Instagram last week. Now we're actually at 523 uh, on behalf of myself and obviously our special guest, Tyler, really appreciate all the support everyone's been giving us um, from fans from, you know, from here in Canada, in Toronto, United States, United Kingdom, and so forth. It's been an amazing journey, and we're almost about to hit two years. And as Erica said, you know, a special shout out to 30 Side of the Track podcast, and as well as I give a F1 podcast, big supporters of ours, and as well as Trinity Common here in Kensington Market. So we really love everything and, you know, we just really very much supportive of this project. So thank you guys. How's it going? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been great. It's good that we actually moved it to this week. The, the pod. A lot happened. Yeah. Um, great timing. I mean, silly seasons kicked off. We got two more races before the summer break. I mean, there's a ton to talk about in the world of F1. So excited for it. Well, also, yeah. don't forget, we're on threads now, too. Still trying to figure that app out. You know, I think myself and Andrew <laughs> have access to it. Don't We really don't know what to make of it, but we're... It's really beginner-like Twitter, for sure. I would love that they incorporate some form of hashtag or whatnot, because it's just, I just it's weird tweeting without, or, you know, threading without really providing any context. <laughs> yeah, I tried doing that on, on the, the account, and it just didn't work, but whatever. Everyone's we'll too to happy on threads way too happy let's keep it that way though that's yeah, why we're not on twitter way. big race last weekend in silverstone max verstappen wins again but also the mclarens showed very impressive and mclarens first podium the season with lando norris but andrew is going to be doing the honors this week you know max verstappen did a fast lap as usual uh one minute 30 seconds and 0.275 go right nice. ahead I'll like 90 seconds yeah, exactly. <laughs> do a barrel roll when you're ever ready andrew uh go right ahead Who's going to start? Who's going to clock me in? Okay, ready? Three, yeah. two, one. All right, Max started on pole with Lando and Oscar Piastri starting P2, P3 with a crazy qualifying session on Saturday, which saw McLaren have some incredible pace with their Silverstone upgrades. They really took the headlines this week by bringing the optimal upgrades to Silverstone. And now are they the main contenders to fight RV this season? We won't know. But off the start, we had Lando take the lead, which was an amazing reaction from the crowd. Uh, he led the lap, He led the race for about a few laps where then Max retook the lead on lap five. Hamilton, another Brit, had a tough start but was able to gain positions in support of the British crowd behind him, which was great to see him and George fight up the field in the Mercedes. Another tough qualifying session for Checo, but he was able to gain positions starting in P15th in the race, finishing P6 overall. But at the end of the day, Kevin Magnussen Haas was on fire. I mean, literally, he was on fire. Lap 33, <laughs> we had an engine failure, which then brought out a VSC for a full freaking lap. Don't know how why that was a full freaking lap for VSC. Caught people out off guard in terms of then when the S, the safety car came out on lap 34 uh, with pit strategies, where we saw the McLarens go on hards, and then Red Bull and Mercedes go on the soft, which was a massive gamble by McLaren. However, it all worked out in the sense that they were able to finish P2, but Oscar Piastri got screwed. Safety car finishing P4. 
Um, tough weekend for Aston Martin overall. Uh, pace tough weekend Ferrari, who had some issues with the strategy. Williams had a strong showing with Albon finishing P8, and Max finishes P1, first win at the Grand Prix or British Grand Prix, second win at Silverstone. Minute 34 seconds. I'll still give you kudos to that. Nicely done, Andrew. As yeah, always, we're gonna fastest lap on the inners, I guess. You lose. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but really big weekend at the British Grand Prix. 480,000 fans went through the circuit gates uh, this weekend. I think that's the largest ever for British British Grand Prix attendance. And also, uh, I think this is probably one of the largest attendance in history. I believe so. But nevertheless, I think, you know, for a lot of people that came on expecting like a Red Bull dominance, it did happen. But also, it was really nice to see Lando Norris pass Max Verstappen the first lap. So I guess kind of uh, let's open it up to everybody. What really stood out this weekend, uh, last weekend in, in the British Grand Prix? McLaren, man. That was the team of the week. Like They brought specific upgrades for Silverstone. They brought the Chrome back into the livery and a really show. They kicked it back to a few years, like 2008, when they were rapid. And they were, it was, it was shocking to watch this weekend, considering how big of a jump they've been from being in the bottom of the field. Like, think about, it, we were at like talking about the bottom, Bahrain, rock bottom, 10, 11 races now. They are fight. They were fighting for Red Bull for P1 with, you know, Lando taking pole. Then Max retaking the pull at the end there, but they were, uh, it, it was shocking to see how fast they were this weekend. Yeah. I mean, full credit to McLaren. They deserve a lot of credit for the hard work they've been doing in the factory to bring those kind of upgrades. And it's one thing I think to make a step in terms of performance that in the way that they did, but it's another to leapfrog the number of teams that are also trying to do the same thing and catch up to Red Bull. So um, it's funny. It makes me think about, if you're in Lewis Hamilton or George Russell's shoes or Mercedes, and you've been trying to catch Red Bull and develop your car for two seasons now, and you show up to 2023, you're feeling really good. And now this is the second customer team that has surpassed them in pace, right? We've had Aston Martin show some rapid pace. And now you have McLaren being the second customer team that has surpassed Mercedes. And, and I think if you're in that Mercedes garage, you got to feel a little bit down on your ability to, to catch up to the Red Bulls because, you know, having two customer teams surpass you like that can't be a good feeling. Um, but on the bright side, I think what it does show is that it is possible in this era to develop your car and find that pace and to hopefully close that gap to Red Bull. And, you know, I think we all share that sentiment that we're hoping, um, that whether it's McLaren or another team on the grid, they can continue to develop and, and really take the break them later in the season. And just to add on on Tyler's point there, especially that we've kind of talked about it in previous episodes, is we're kind of wondering who is going to be that number two that's going to be coming into, uh, like who's going to fight for drivers two or who's going to fight for like the second place in constructors. And with especially McLaren now showing some motivation. So there's kind of some life into the, the track. Obviously, Max is having an un unbelievable season. But, you know, now I think, we can kind of start seeing that now another team's going to kind of creep. It's like McLaren is a little farther away, but you know, they're going to try to make this, this season a little bit interesting going into this, especially going into the summer break. And now like being an Aston Martin fan, it's frustrating that how Stroll didn't take advantage of the car that he was given to early on. And he scored some good team points because if McLaren keep this pace up, we could be in a significant issue with regards to, um, how should I say <laughs> them leapfrogging Aston Martin at some point in the constructors? Like it's, it's possible if they continue up this form. 
I know it's one race, but they've still got to continue it up. Yeah, if you're an Aston Martin fan like myself, the issue that I have with, you know, seeing is that Lance gave up some pretty good points at the beginning of the year with the car that he had. And now that we're kind of falling back a little bit in pace, if Ferrari, I mean, if McLaren maintained this overall dominance, I know that was a one track Silverstone meant for medium high speeds. Um, let's see if the if they're, you know, let's see if their upgrades go fit for this, you know, slower type track as in the Hungaro ring coming up. But um, it still gives me great cause for concern because we have two good drivers over at McLaren and Lando and Oscar. Um, and if they keep banging all these massive points performances there, they could leapfrog Aston Martin at the end of the year. And for a team that was at P2 for the longest time, the constructors to then have to fall back. I know that we would say it's been an upgrade, but man, it's a little disappointing. And it's, you know, sitting here as an Aston Martin fan, I'm wondering what it's, it's gut check time and where are these upcoming, these upcoming upgrades going? And where are they going to get experience? I think I'm just going to jump there too. But it's not only so much like you think about Austin Martin, but like what 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 do you think Alpine's feeling right now? To think about it, that they've had like enough points already in the season, and then all of a sudden, like McLaren just come out of nowhere and just leapfrog themselves. Yeah, and, and if you think about it, Alpine is supposed to be a major manufacturer, right? Renault, a full works outfit. Uh, is supposed to be competing in the front of the grid, right? That's the expectation. And I just saw uh, Laurent Rossi, the CEO, is now stepping away from the team. So uh, interesting point, Richie. I, I completely agree with you. I think if you're Alpine, you got to be pretty frustrated to be P6 in the constructors now and real no clear path back into the upper echelon of, of Formula 1. Also, uh, you know, for bad weekends in um, in at Silverstone, I think Ferrari got screwed over by the safety car. I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of really tough, man. Just like the bad luck, the bad tire strategy. I don't know. And then had the hards on after the safety car overtaken by Perez. Al, and then even Albon, like a Williams, was just out driving two Ferraris. That's like, I mean, Alex Albon has been having a lot, a great couple of races lately. But geez, man, like what the heck is going on? Well, I think it was a bit of bad tire. It was bad management, though, with um, Leclerc not being able to finish his free practice session to kind of gauge how that hard tire was going to perform. Or I forget what tires perform, but uh, they took a gamble. They were really conservative on their tire approach, putting on that hard early. So that's what kind of caught them out on the safety car. So, yeah, a bit of bad luck, but also a bit of bad management on their part kind of compounded that issue with the bad luck on the safety car and it was interesting to see how on the hards science was just getting overpassed by or getting overtaken by everybody even yeah he's mentioned albon and the williams right like just deflating and even like leclerc's own teammate um passive for p10 and even at one point gazer passed him and for p11 like for p10 dropped back down to p11 and then thankfully retook him over again to get ferrari you know p9 and p10 in the race but it was interesting to see how McLaren at the top with the hards were able to outcompete the Mercedes, right? With the rocket ship. So not only this, it was a key setup for McLaren, but is the setup not right for Ferrari as well? Um, just a lot of questions that come into play here uh, for Fred and his team in Maranello. I don't know. I was going to say, wasn't Bonato at the track too this weekend? <laughs> he he was. So that may have been a little bit of uh Bad luck for no Ferrari. I wonder why the strategy there. was so poor. 
<laughs> he probably put on a headset and tried to test it out. And then like all of a sudden he heard Leclerc and Carlos yelling at yelling at their engineers. He's like, well, I'm out. Peace. <laughs> it's cursed. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Andrew just yeah, it was just it was tough, tough weekend again. Um, I think I've been saying that like every almost every you other track. Uh, it's been a tough weekend for Ferrari, but poor. I know Lance, you know, he was in the point and then he got uh, penalties. You know, Williams, I think the talk to, I think, you know, not a lot of people really talked about this, but like even Logan Sargent came P11. Like the man, the myth, the legend from the United States of America coming P11, very close to the points. That Williams is fast. And, you know, in a straight line especially, but all around, I, th- I think we're going to see them more often than not be pushing to potentially be in Q3 on a regular basis. I mean, Alex has pretty much already done that this season. To the point where I was thinking to myself during that race, it doesn't feel weird or strange to see him, you know, consistently in the latter stages of the point. That's just where he is now on a semi-regular basis. So, yeah, it's impressive to see what Williams has been able to do with that car. And uh, shout out to Logan as well. That's a that's a good point because P11 is a, a career finish for him in Formula One. So, uh, congrats to him. Now, Tyler, tell me who's going to have more Q3 appearances by the end of the season, him <laughs> or Checo? <laughs> I think I would take just about anybody over Checo. I'd take myself <laughs> at this point. <laughs> All my time Gosh, in the that sun, guy just not get his qualifying form in play. It's so crazy to watch. He's still second. He's still second no matter how I much know. he screws up. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, seriously. Like, what is his excuse going to be, you know, this weekend? At the Hungara ring, it feels like every weekend it, it's something. And when that's the case, then it, it just comes down to the driver. You know, no matter how much bad luck he's had, track limits, wrong tires, you know, can't get temperature in the tires. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's on Checo to perform and to be in that, you know, rocket ship of, of an RB19 and not be able to get the Q3, let alone put it, you know, near the front row is, is insane to me. So... Uh, he, he's got, um, you know, a lot of work to do to get this season back on the rails for him. He's very secure in P2, as, as Richie mentioned. So he's not really fighting for anything other than, you know, pride. And, you know, he might be feeling a little heat, um, you know, coming from behind him with the uh, recent news of, of some new drivers maybe taking on later in, in the Red Bull family. You know, main story of the week being Max winning his first ever British Grand Prix, second win at Silverstone because he won the 70th anniversary Grand Prix in 2020 during that COVID uh, year. Uh, But Tyler, 11th straight win for Red Bull, tying McLaren. Max is 99 points up already, 10 races into the season. He's won the last six. He hasn't finished lower than P2 this year, and he's won eight of the first 10. Is this the best? season we're ever going to watch for one driver it it, it might be because here's the thing and you know we've talked a lot about the season how um mercedes had similar dominance you know during that period where you know the w11 the w12 was was an absolute rocket ship um but at the end of the day lewis was pushed to an extent by his teammate i think you know we all know what happened with nico rosberg and we can, you know, argue about his relative merits to Lewis, even though, you know, Lewis is clearly a superior driver. And with Valtteri, we know, you know, he certainly wasn't world championship material, but at least he was he was there, right? Mm-hmm. 
and Valtteri could put it on pole even if he wasn't going to have the race pace or the race craft to keep up with Lewis. As we were just saying, Checo can't really do that. And so that just has blown the door wide open for Max to really take over the season. And if you ask me, I can't see Max losing a race the rest of the season, bearing some you know, incredible development from another team, which is possible, or bad luck. If he's going to DNF, he's going to DNF. That happens in Formula One. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. But if it doesn't happen, then, you know, I don't see why he wouldn't win every single race the rest of the season, as crazy as that sounds. And if that's going to be the case, then this is going to be, you know, the most dominant season that we've ever seen in Formula One. Two stats really quickly before we get into the next one. Last season, he had 454 points, and his last uh, retirement was in Australia in um, in 2022. Incredible. But yes, on to some spicy news this week. Danny Rick is coming back, baby. <laughs> I am ecstatic. So he had a tire test at Silverstone last week um, where he was testing out new tire regs, um, the new wheel wells that would have been for the water. But um, the fact that he put a fa- his fastest lap in the tire test was seven tenths off Max's time at Silverstone to qualify. Just made Helmet Marco so giddy that he called the phone. He said, Nick DeVries, pack your shit. You're out of here. <laughs> and basically said, Danny, you're going to help Atari to finish the season this year on loan. Uh, I didn't expect him to be back in a paddock after 10 races so quick, to be honest with you. Uh, I think it's great, but this is a really interesting case for Red Bull now in terms of where they move forward for their both their teams. Um. I'll just start really quickly, but you know, obviously it's good to see Daniel Ricardo back in a car. You do feel bad for DeVries because uh, you know, he's been wanting to have a chance in formula one and, you know, it was a tough car. Maybe it was some driver errors, but like 10 races you're gone. Um, that's the Red Bull motto. Um, we've seen this with a number of their drivers, whether it's Danny Criette or uh, whether if it's Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I can go. The list goes on. Um, uh, maybe Mark Webber in a sense, but like for me, I, I think he's going to finish P13 this weekend. I'm just going to be very honest. I think he'll bring some much needed life in that garage. Some much needed. I mean, everybody was giddy. The fact that he's back, the guy man's doing like so many uh, news conferences and all the questions are to him. And it's just like, you're in the worst car on the track. <laughs> so yeah, I think he's gonna bring some life, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's good to have him back, but we'll just see what the honey badger has to do. What do you think, uh, Mr. Red Bull over there? I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, you know, at the end of the day, we don't really know how he's going to adapt. Christian Horner seems to think that, you know, it's the Daniel Ricardo old. He was waxing poetically about how when he first came back to Red Bull, he had picked up these terrible habits from McLaren, and you could see it all over the sim. And I guess he had been, you know, improving steadily over the summer and then you know to andrew's point uh he didn't even make it through the tire test before they had made the decision to bring him back into the fold so i'm excited you know danny rick is one of the you know most fun best personalities on the grid i think you know this season um of rebel dominance we've been talking about is, is needed a little pick me up here before the summer break and i think danny rick brings a little of that excitement so it's going to be cool to see how he does. And I think it's, at the end of the day, it's the right move, as tough as it is, you know, for Nick DeVries. Um, 
if you leave him in that car the rest of the year, you're not really able to properly evaluate, you know, one, that car, two, Yuki Sonoda, and, and three, you're not really putting any pressure on, you know, the big team, you know, namely Checo Perez. So I think bringing Danny Rick into the fold gives you an experienced driver that you can use to, to benchmark against Yuki, you know, see if he's actually been performing, you know, really well, which I think he has this year, but we, we don't know because his teammate hasn't been able to, to benchmark for him. Um, and then add a little spice to the season because, you know, if Checo can't start getting his act together, putting that car in the, you know, Q3 and, and, and taking some points away from the other teams, then, you know, you never know. You may see the Honey Badger back in, in a Red Bull before too long. So I think that just adds another element of, of fun to all of this. Yeah, Tyler, it's funny you mentioned these points because, like, for me, I had three real big questions coming out after this decision. One, is this the right move for Daniel Ricciardo to restart his F1 career? We're surging in, like, the junior team at Red Bull, right? He's not a junior anymore. In that sense, he's more of a senior. Uh, at 35? Of, yeah, 35 years old. It, remi- it reminds me of the Adam Sandler, you know, Billy Madison when he's going back to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Andrew. My apologies. That's a, that's a good point, right? You're going, he's going back to his roots, right? Starting with it, you know, HRT going into the tar, starting with the junior team moving up in that regards. Is this a resurgence he needs? But also, is Checo's position at Red Bull now at risk? You know, back when Daniel left, Max never wanted him to go. And even Max mentioned in a statement today, I believe during the press conference, that he never wanted Daniel to leave, despite Drive to Survive stating that they hated each other. But he ne- they never wanted him to leave. So I could totally see Max wanting Daniel to be back as his number two, right, in that case. Um, so what does that mean for Checo moving forward from 2024 onward? And then also, is this gonna be the is this gonna be the real test for Yuki in terms of can he just you know put away the entire Daniel Ricardo show and like just showcase why he is a faster, potentially a faster driver? Than Daniel because he's been able to put that AlphaTauri in positions that should not have been able to go this season, unlike Nick. But with Daniel coming in, I think it's as a, I think even Helen mentioned it today that it's a, it's going to be a test for Yuki to see how he can handle the pressure with an experienced driver on his team. And I think for me, at the end of the day, that's that's what makes me feel so confident that this is the right decision because at the end of the day. You know, you can say it's it's not fair to Nick to not give him a full season. And I think that to an extent that that is a fair comment. But if you think about it at the end of the day, is Nick DeVries ever going to be a candidate to drive for Red Bull Racing? No. Is he a future world champion? No. Could you see him ever pivoting to another top team? No, not likely, right? And it's it's tough, but that's the reality in Formula One. And so if you leave him in there for the rest of the season, you're really just wasting that opportunity to benchmark your own team, right? So throwing Ricardo in there really is a natural move because of all the things that you mentioned, Andrew, right? It, it allows you to properly evaluate Yuki for the rest of the year. It allows you to put a little pressure on Checo. And so I think, you know, as unpopular a move it may be from a human perspective, and I think we all feel for, for Nick DeVries, for, for Red Bull Racing, um, it's really a no-brainer. And it's one of the reasons why they have such a huge advantage by having two teams is because you can do stuff like this to test another driver and to see if Yuki Tsunoda maybe is ready to make that jump to Red Bull. We haven't talked about that. Maybe Checo's seat isn't under fire from Danny Rick, but if Yuki keeps doing what he's been doing this year, he's been in the Red Bull Junior program for a long time. 
could he potentially be someone who could take over for for Checo? I don't know. There's a lot of questions, but I think it definitely makes it more interesting. And Red Bull's going to know one way or the other um, what the right move is, I think, by the end of the season. Just, just based on how Yuki's doing this season, I know it's not really the greatest comparisons. I feel like all eyes are just going to be on Daniel for the rest rest of the, the year. Um, I think ballpark, maybe he can get that car 15 points, maybe 20 points out of that car, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards 15, but yeah, I guess it's going to, it's going to make, I'm, I don't think, uh, Checo was part of that, um, was part of the press conference today. Cause we're recording this on Thursday, but I'm curious to see how the next, when they're both sitting down together and all the awkward questions coming from reporters, I can only imagine that, um, I don't know what's the point points. What do you think? How many points do you think he's going to get this season? I think he's going to get, let's say of the final 11 races to go, is it 11 or 12? I think he gets in the points four times. I just think just based on the car, it's limitations. If he can put that car in points, finish, finishes maybe four times, like a third of the way. I think that'll be a job well done for Danny Rick overall. I actually was going to say the exact same number. I think I think four as well. So we're completely aligned there. Like looking at the construction standings, Alphatari is two points for the season total. So if Danny Rick can, you know, squeeze together four points in the final eleven or twelve races, like you were saying, Andrew, I think that's a huge win. Um, so we'll we'll see. But uh, it's tough when you, you have a car so uncompetitive. Um, you know, I don't think we're gonna see Danny Rick in the points on a regular basis, and he's gonna have to accept that. On a good day for him, it may be just P12 or P13, like Richie was saying earlier. Yeah, no, I think 15 points is is maybe like asking a lot. Um, but you know, you never know what the the silly season that Formula One could be. There could be a major crash that he would have started and then he somehow makes it towards uh the points. But hey, nevertheless, I think uh, we're really excited to see how what he's gonna do in Hungary and for the rest of the season. Um just before we kind of get into the the now the fun part about once a driver remo- uh, moves uh, from a team or gets dropped, then it starts the whole chain of all the rumors that have come out this week. Um, we got to give a little love to a Canadian icon, a legend, the GOAT himself, Nicholas Latifi. Uh, he finally came out of social media uh, hibernation uh, this week to announce that he's going to be he's quitting racing for a bit. And he's going to pursue his MBA at the London Business School. And, you know, we just wanted to say on behalf of the F1 podcast, Nick, all the best at school. Um, you know, we are going to miss you. But, hey, you're always welcome back on this pod. You're always welcome on this pod. So, um, and you're always welcome back to Formula One. So, Well said. All I can say to add is I hope he finds his true calling in the corporate ladder at Newtown. Do a barrel roll. That's all, that's all I want for him. <laughs> he, go to business school. CEO of Nutella. That that's the dream for Nick Latif. You know, I I think this is a great move, honestly, for Nick. I, yeah, Ty's probably. I never thought of that. But oh I'd my love gosh, to see him in like a board, <laughs> like in a position there at Nutella. He's a really well-spoken um, gentleman, and uh, I think he's really got a savvy mind for um, for business. I think he's going to do really well in his true calling after NBA. You know, if he always wants to come back for racing, I think that'd be good, but. I don't blame him with everything that went on and people are still salty over two years later of that. And the, you know, I, it, it takes a toll on you mentally as somebody who continues to receive probably threats to this date. I imagine from Hamilton fans about how he ruined his chance to get an eighth title. 
Um, but I hope nothing but the best. Really enjoy school, Nick. Just have fun with it, man. And um, yeah, I would love to see you behind the product development of future Nutella the great too. <laughs> so silly season now with one driver coming to uh, kick, get getting kicked out and another driver coming in. Um, the rumor mill is going to go. So which I, I don't like, yeah, Andrew, how about we start with the, with the rumors that we're seeing from your sources? So based on what I was reading this week, Lando's going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> he might be going yes. to Red Bull because Mel was having a meeting with the, with McLaren's management team, uh, possibly him competing with uh, Red Bull and Max as they seem to be good friends. I don't know if that creates like a potential Nico versus Lewis situation all over again. I also heard Lando was going to go to Ferrari, but um, he had legit like the quote of the week. Uh, Tyler, what was the quote of the week? I can't remember it. Well, he said something about, or he was asked if uh, the rumors were true about him driving for Ferrari. And I think he said something along the lines of, you know, he's trying to get his first race win, not going to therapy. So <laughs> I think that shows you the state of, of where the Ferrari drivers ride. And if, you know, you've seen a, a Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz post-race interview lately, then uh, it is essentially a therapy session. So quite the quote from Lando. I had a double take to see if he, you know, it actually said that or if it was fake. So uh, shout out to Lando for the uh, roast of Ferrari catching a, a stray bullet there. Oh, I'm happy to show him him uh, arguing with his engineers in Sochi a couple of years ago. Totally okay to replay <laughs> that video all, all all day for him. At least Leclerc and uh, Science has won a race. So oh, let's, oh. Just, let's just be clear here. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Well, speaking of Leclerc and Science, Johnny, there's some rumors that they have not signed their contract extensions yet with their contracts coming up in 2024. We have Charles that could go to Mercedes, replace Lewis at one point. Science rumored to go to Audi in 2025. But what are your overall thoughts on this? I mean, especially if how the season's going. Like, go go right ahead, man. Like, <laughs> it's just it's 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 tough to be, I guess, motivated because I think they only have what two podiums this year. And this was supposed to be a bounce back year. There's like, you know, maybe they were wanting to compete with Red Bull and it's, it's not looking like it's going to be the year for them. So, I mean, if you need to kind of start doing some window shopping and looking what's around you and see what are the potentials, like, I mean, go be it. Like, this is what free agency is all about is if you are, if you don't feel comfortable signing your contract, like what's stopping you from going to talk to other teams? I guess the question is just where would Ferrari go from there if that was the case i know there's you know some some other rumors swirling around the paddock and i know you know andrew had spoken earlier about hearing uh, alba and the ferrari potentially so that's out there but you know it's hard for me to look at all these potential options and think that it's an upgrade for ferrari right especially with Charles. i think we all agree that Charles is one of the guys on the grid who's probably closest to that, you know, A tier of the Max and the Lewis and the Fernando. You know, he's not quite there yet, but he's a guy who, if he were to get there, I wouldn't be shocked. And so for Ferrari to lose a guy like that, I think would be a tough loss for them. But, you know, to your point, Ricci, Ferrari hasn't won anything. So what are you really losing at this point by losing a guy like Charles, right? It, it can't get any worse. So um it, it's interesting to see you know how that may shake out but um you know well i i was just gonna i was just gonna add the italian media is gonna have a field day if he leaves 
<laughs> they'll hate him. I, I think there's going to be riots <laughs> in Italy. Marinello. There might like, be. They'll be I'm burning so- pictures of him in, in town squares. So it would be chaos. And I'm here for it. But, like, just to think, Ferrari have had the likes of Fernando Alonso, Felipe Massa, Sebastian Vettel, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, and they haven't been able to win not one World Drivers' Championship or one World Constructors' Championship. And if anybody watches NHL hockey, it's kind of like the least scenario right now where they have these generational talents on their team and they can't seem to win the big one. And it's so frustrating to watch because Ferrari is of such heritage and such amazing culture in F1. They should be challenging for these, you know, world drivers championships. Why aren't they? How do they not have the resources, especially back when Mercedes were, you know, dominating and there was no cost cap. How did they just not spend a bunch of money every year into creating that kind of competitive car? It's just, it's, it's tough to see how, you know, this this overall iconic team is now starting to fall by the wayside. I I, I don't know. He's reaching at a loss for words. He, he's just know. shaking his head here. I'm literally looking at the Wikipedia page just trying to, to have an answer, but I have nothing. It's like, I just do not, I don't know. It's maybe Kimi Raikkonen needs to come back. That's that's <laughs> probably the last, the last champion. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> the last guy to win you a drivers and a constructors champion well no oh wait constructors i guess too with massa but uh well constructors we wanted the next year in 2018 yeah. 2008 sorry so but still that is 15 years ago hard to believe you lose. So let's talk about hungary then uh <laughs> so we're going to the hungarian grand prix it's a monaco without walls as they say you want to elaborate on that one andrew yeah, it's a tight track a lot of uh not just like one main straight a lot of small slow corners and it's very tight um, with regards onto the track itself. So very tough to pass. Everyone remembers 2021 when Alonso defended like a lion against Hamilton for about 11, 12, 10, 11 laps. There was really no spot for Lewis to overtake Alonso outside of the main, outside of the main straight going into turn one. And then that DRS zone going from turn one to turn two. Uh, you know, once you just sit that, once you sit your car in the middle of the track, it's, it's near impossible to get around. So that's what they call it, Monaco without walls, as they would say. Yeah, it's really an interesting track, too, because it's set up much like a karting track. As you mentioned, it's just very flowy. It's not um, one that, you know, you want to bring your low down for setup to because there's not a lot of straights. Um, and it's very tight. Um, that being said, I, I think last year was kind of interesting in that it, it, it bucked the trend a bit. Uh, and we did see some overtaking, which was great to see. And it wasn't just Max who who did fly through the field from P15 uh, to to win, but it was George had a couple of really great overtakes. Charles Leclerc um, was really great, and and we also had uh, the Alpines, if you guys remember, at Alcon and Alonso battling with each other, and it was a continuation of that rivalry. Some really good, you know, wheel to wheel racing there. So hopefully we get that again, uh, because if it is. You know, Monaco without the walls, I fear it's another, you know, max runaway win. So fingers crossed for some chaos this weekend. Well, I just, let's just get right into the, to it. Just to, just to rub the salt on the open wound of every other team here. Red Bull is going to be coming out with a bunch of other upgrades. And like, does that mean like, does that mean like Max Verstappen is going to be like carrying Sergio Perez in his car? Like, as like a side seat? Like, I don't know if you like kind of like a trolley, but they, apparently they're projected to gain two tenths per lap in pace, which, oh my goodness. And a redesigned cooling system. What is it? Over under 40 seconds you're going to win this weekend? 
I don't know what the line is on on FanDuel or, or DraftKings, but I would I'd be taking the over. Um, really cool look. There were some interesting rumors earlier in the week that Rebel might take the Aston Martin side pods, but then also how funny would it have been if, if they showed up with no side pods just to rub it in the face of Mercedes? That would have been an all-time masterclass from Adrian Newey if they were able to make that work. But uh, no, the look for those who haven't seen it, really it's just an evolution of the current Red Bull side pod design. So the undercuts are a lot more pronounced and the inlets where they take in air to cool uh, a lot of the different components in the engine uh, been narrowed but also uh, widened. So it's, it's a bit of a, an interesting slim uh, version of the existing Red Bull side pods. And Max seems to think it's going to make them at least two tenths quicker, uh, especially in the corners, which is good for Hungary, as we just mentioned. Very flowing track with not a lot of you know straights. It's a high downforce circuit. So uh, yeah, they look great. And we'll, we'll see if that translates to the track. It's like it's got a... He has like a mid. He has like a wing on the mid in the mid body of the car, with like how slick those new inlets look. It's quite it's quite a unique design. I can't wait to see what it looks like on track. Um, but you know a lot of people are wondering with the reduced uh, tunnel time how they can find these two tents. Well, from what I gather and understand is that these redesignments in the radiation and the cooling system, they're not part of wind tunnel time. So they've been able to find like this free two tenths effectively in the upgrades. And that is like the key of having a genius like Adrian Newey behind the design of your car, being able to find time out of really nothing and go from there. Well, it helps when, you know, your your chief aerodynamicist, Adrian Newey, has a wind tunnel in his brain. Uh, you can't limit the time there. So he's running the simulations. You don't need a wind tunnel when you got uh, Adrian Newey back there. So. Yeah, I, I read that as well. It sounds like this took, you know, virtually no wind tunnel time to develop. So, um, you know, those cost cap penalties for Red Bull maybe uh, aren't going to impact them as much as we once thought. So, yeah, shout out to Red Bull for the development, and we'll see how it works on track. I mean, as a Red Bull fan, I there's a part of me that, that does, you know, hope that they're not as effective as we think, because I do want to see the field bunch up and... You know, seeing Max race against Lando, even for a couple of laps last weekend, was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, the the new side pods do look really cool. I'm excited to see how it translates to the track. And just uh, talking about the uproar, like especially when when Lando passed uh, Verstappen on the first lap, like I'm pretty sure there must have been a noise complaint in Silverstone. The amount of uh, screams and ch- and celebrations that could have potentially have i think a couple a couple of other comments you know my eyes are just going to be see on a lot of rebounds how is you know lewis hamilton had a very good race uh in silverstone is he going to be able to get back on the podium again in hungary like how is george russell going to respond i think all eyes is going to be on checo he might have a huge pressure especially with daniel ricardo back on the grid too knowing that there is probably a target on his back now so Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Is it, is it, like, well, I mean, the, if if these if Red Bull's upgrades uphold here, there's no excuse for him not to finish P2 in qualifying this weekend. Like, don't give Red Bull's management team more of an opportunity to reconsider their position on you this weekend. Check out all I'm saying. If you want to keep your seat, you got to perform this weekend big time. And I think just mostly, uh, I think for Austin Martin, I, I, I 
Andrew, like what are some of the big things that you kind of hope to have for this weekend? I don't know. It's, it's gut check time for the team. Like they're good in tracks with low, with low corner speed or with low speed corners, but they need to get the setup right this weekend. They did bring quote unquote track specific upgrades to Silverstone last week, but they were clearly downgrades. Um, so they really need to get the setup this right this weekend to maximize full potential. We need points. I did think though it was kind of funny that even though we did have a very slow weekend last week, we still scored more points than Ferrari did. You lose. I don't know if you noticed that, Richie, but I was kind of laughing at that point when I was calculating it out. But yeah, seriously, it's gut check time, considering that they were P2 for the longest time and showed a really fast car uh in you, you know the beginning of the season. Now they just kind of fallen by the wayside. Really need to kind of get it up back this weekend because there's a lot of questions that need to be answered overall. Yeah, yeah. What's going on with that Fernando Alonso hype train? That was like huge, and that nobody's like talking about him anymore. Well, ever since he made that comment about how he's not get, that they're not going to be on the po- like they're not going to finish away like, out of the podium for the rest of the season. He's only finished once on the podium, so it's uh, yeah, a lot of questions to be answered. That's for sure. Well, I think for Ferrari, I think mostly it's just going to be can they figure out how to. How to figure out a strategy? Can they deal with their tire deg- degradation? Um, can they have a, a good approach going into the weekend? And I mean, it's also going to—I think it's going to rain again this weekend. So, how do you respond in the rain on this track? Um, I think those are kind of the things I'm just kind of going to be watching out for the boys in red. What would you be happy with this weekend, Richie? I'm, I'm interested in where the expectations of reset for Ferrari. If they were to come away from this weekend with a P4, P5, would yeah, that, that be that's maybe fine. not happy, but satisfactory? Is that where Ferrari's at now? What I do think, you think? I think, yeah, because you kind of want to still stay stay competitive in the constructors, and you don't really want to lose points to your Austin Martin or give more to Mercedes. So whether if it is the Red Bulls come 1-2, and then maybe is it a Fernando Alonso or something, you know, let's. I think at the both we just need to get both cars in the points and ideally top five. And just hope just to kind of like get a good position going into the summer so they can at least have a break. But I'm thinking they need to at least get four or five this weekend. I think that's a good point, man. I think they just need some confidence back in Ferrari. Um, especially as tires you mentioned earlier, when you watch that press conference, what's like a post-race interview, they look so dejected. Because they know what the capability of this car is. They saw it last year, but just the fact that they have not, the team has not been able to uphold like their fast start last year is just, it's really deflating. It's tough to watch too. I, I think if you were to look at all the teams in the grid, just likability rankings on the drivers, you know, Charles and Carlos would be right up the top, I think, you know, just two super nice guys. And it is tough to, watch those press conferences after every weekend and just see how disappointed they are. So, you know, there is part of me that's, that's pulling for them. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think the beauty of this season, especially, you know, after last weekend is we don't know who the second fastest car is. I think it could be Aston Martin, but I don't know. It could be Mercedes, could be Ferrari, the McLarens now have entered the picture. So we really don't know who that, you know, P2 team is going to be. Um, I think it would be a lot of fun, though, to see Fernando back battling for a podium. It's been, you know, four or five races now where the Aston's pace has struggled a little bit. And, you know, he did say at the beginning of the season that the two tracks he had circled potentially for a win this season, not even a podium, a win, were Monaco 
Um, and, you know, obviously he was very, very strong in, at Monaco. Uh, but the other one was hungry. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's got this weekend. I think, you know, um, obviously with the Red Bull upgrades, it's hard to say, you know, where they may, you know, wind up. But um, definitely want to see Fernando competing for a podium. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think time will tell, and and especially let's kind of just see where this kind of goes into the weekend. So on that note, uh, thank you so much, Andrew and Tyler, for another great episode of the F1 Podcast. Reminder, this is Season 3, Episode 19, 500-plus followers on Instagram. Let's try to get to 600 probably by the end of August, I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. That is probably my goal, and maybe might be asking a lot, but let's try to get to 1,000 followers by the end of the 2023 um, you know, we are on, um, sorry, we are on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on YouTube, we're on threads now, and we're on Instagram. So make sure to follow, follow us on all of our social medias. And let's tune into the Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend. Thanks, everyone for an amazing episode. And thank you. And have a great day.